Luckily, that just missed being on the recording. <laughs> In case you don't know, these, these sermons by the mid-afternoon, God willing, are up on SoundCloud. Um, a few people listen to them around the world, and I mean few. But if you ever want to push someone towards a particular sermon or send it to them, just go to SoundCloud and look for me, and it'll give a playlist for, by date for the sermon. So um, do, do uh, make use of that if you want. Let's thank God. Dear Lord, we're grateful for the time in your word, the lessons you show us daily in our lives. We'd ask that we turn to your scriptures to uh, anchor it. In your son's name we pray. Amen. I was talking to a friend the other day, uh, uh, just after we got back from California, about this. It was an idea I had on the trip. He said I had to look at the scriptures to see if I could find what, a way of speaking of it that was scriptural rather than just making up social philosophy um, that uh, was of my own devising. The trip uh, uh, that caused this was Leslie's mother, as you knew, died a couple weekends ago. And uh, uh, we were down in California, the whole family, to uh, attend the graveside. And um, there weren't enough family members in El Centro, California, uh, to house people. So we all stayed in hotels. and. And then you go on to Trivago, because there are commercials that tell you to, and uh, found a, well, they only have up to two star in El Centro. There are no, it's El Centro. But it turns out that the two star Holiday Inn Express was actually pretty decent. Pretty new, pretty decent. But I very quickly found out that the TV remote did not work. Well, this is America, almost Mexico, but it's America still. So I went down to the desk, I said, T T remote doesn't work. They went and got batteries, started to work, took it upstairs, it would turn the TV on, but it wouldn't change any channels. No signal, nothing, just no, there we were. Back down to the desk. Now what was going on? What was, what was, I mean, and then we got the TV back. They, we were out for the day, they came in and fixed the TV, came in, it was going, they wanted to prove to me that it was working. And uh, then we didn't watch it for the next three days. Why was I messing with that? Um, you go into the bathroom in a hotel, you notice when they don't give you something. Like, you notice there's no soap, or there are no uh, bath rags, or whatever it is. You notice certain things missing, and they provide m minimums in such a way that it will make you feel comfortable. You say, I can understand why you wondered if there are scriptures about this, because you hope you're getting to a scripture. Well, this was the preparatory experience. And of course, 
you know, all our time with the family and ministering to people and <coughs> the family sang at the funeral, <coughs> our family, and uh, everything went well. Fathers are always carrying the burden of getting the whole family in the car at 6.30 in the morning to drive two hours to San Diego to catch a flight hitting San Diego during rush hour, hoping you can make it to the airport through rush hour. And so you're carrying all those burdens, making those flights, making sure you find the right gate. And so when I stepped off the plane in Spokane, <clears throat> Let me tell you this, San Diego Airport's a much nicer airport than Spokane. Okay, much, much nicer. Um, stepped off the plane in Spokane into the B concourse, draw that picture up to mind, and um, I was walking down the concourse with Graham and Gunn. Leslie had to go to the bathroom, so we went to the bathroom, knew precisely where they were, because it's Spokane. And uh, we stood there in the concourse and chatted. And it struck me why I felt so comfortable in Spokane Airport. It wasn't as nice as San Diego. I felt comfortable. Well, I'd been in it a lot. Knew where the bathrooms were. So I was meditating on, this is, although it's an hour and a half away from home, it's home. Compared to San Diego, it's more home than San Diego. What makes something home? Because we were coming home, and I wanted desperately to be sitting in my library smoking a cigar. Because I also know where the bathrooms are in my house. And I know pretty much where everything is in my house, barring some things. So I was talking to Gunn or Graham, I forget which, maybe both of them. And I, and I was saying, what makes home. It's important what our home is like. You know, all of you, um, yesterday, Anne posted a picture of the library at your house and, and uh, the two idiot dogs standing there and everything looked very homey. It looked comfortable. Now it probably looks more comfortable to Anne and Dave than it does to us. It's the same picture. Why doesn't it look as comfortable to me as it does to them? Why does your home feel like your home? Why when I walk into your house I don't feel the degree of comfort you feel? So what we're talking about this morning, here's the Luke 6 on the, on the left-hand side, the left column. Luke 6, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I'll show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house, who dug deep, laid the foundation upon rock, and when the flood rose, the steam broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. But he who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation, against which the stream broke, and immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. Because you not only know that some things are home, some things are not just different homes, but some things are successful homes. The stream does not tear it down. There's an adequate foundation to things. 
But what is it we're doing when we're making a home? I want to suggest to you, this is not you know, word from the mount in such a way that you have to acknowledge this, but at least consider or toy with the concept. I was thinking that home was a place of answered questions. That's why the hotel puts the shampoo and the conditioner and the lotion on the, and it puts a hairdryer in the bathroom. I can remember days, because I'm old, when nobody gave you anything. They gave you a little bar of soap. That was it. But now they're trying to make you more comfortable, answer more of your questions. A little refrigerator, a little coffee maker that you'd never use, because who knows how many cockroaches are floating in that thing. They try to answer your questions. They try to solve all the basic problems, and those that they can't solve, I mean, this hotel not only had a breakfast, they had appetizers in the evening. You come home for whatever you're doing and there was a buffet of appetizers, not dinner, but just appetizers to end your day well. Free Cokes. They're trying to make it like home. Answer more of your requests because what you need in life, and even a little sign there on the, by the sink, if there's anything you may have forgotten in your travel, a razor, toothpaste, just let us know, we'll give it to you. Three, they're trying to make you feel at home by answering your questions. And that's what home ends up being. It's the place where you can get up in the middle of the night and wander about in the dark because you have answered all the questions in that space. You know where things are. When my brother, <clears throat> I, this is admitting to sin on my part, and I, you know, confessed it long ago. Da What's my brother's name? Doug. Um, when we were in high school, he was uh, sunbathing under a sunlamp, reading, and uh, burnt his eyes right across the middle, blistered up green strips of, and went blind. So the doctor had to cover up his eyes for weeks, taped up. And I proceeded, after he got them all covered up, I, next we got home, I rearranged all the furniture in the living room. And nothing is more pleasing to see your older brother by 16 months do an end over flip over the back of the couch because he can't see where he's going. Well, his hope was that being blind, you know where everything is. You've answered all the questions. And we know that in our life, Food, shelter, clothing are the things we have to answer. And when I go to a different town, and airports and airports and airports, but I don't know where the bathrooms are in San Diego. I know where they are in Spokane. So, not that you can't find a bathroom in San Diego, but you have to answer it. You've got to figure out which restaurant you're going to go to, and you don't know any of them. You've got to answer everything. You love being in a place where you know what you're going to eat and how you're going to get it. You know your home. It has answered you on many things. And the longer you live in a home, the more of a home it becomes. That, I just think, is definitional. The passage we're looking at tonight, today, what is it today? Morning? Deuteronomy 8. 
This is Moses at the end. This is the second law. It's the end of the uh, wanderings. And Moses is talking here. All the commandment which I command you this day, you shall be careful to do, that you may live and multiply, and go in and possess the land which the Lord swore to give to your fathers. And you shall remember, that's the promised land, by the way, the promised land. You shall remember all the way which the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. And he humbled you and let you, uh, let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but, but the man lives by everything that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. Recognize that little phrase? That's, Christ quotes that in the temptation to Satan. Your clothing did not wear out upon you, and your foot did not swell these 40 years. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, the Lord your God disciplines you. So, you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God by walking in his ways and by fearing him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land. And that's where we're going with this. The Jews have been wandering since Abraham's day. Out of Haran, out of Padanaram, coming down through Canaan. Sojourners in the land wandered in Jacob's day into Egypt. There for 215 years. God yanks them out. A big people wander about in the desert for 40 years. Not because they were lost. Because they were disobedient. Finally allowed at the end, at this point, to enter in and conquer the land through Joshua and then into the book of Judges. And the whole thing was God bringing his people out to give them this land. He's bringing you into a good land. I like Moscow, Idaho more than El Centro, California. Just saying. Some people like El Centro. It's warm. Um, but I like this home. I like the answers I've received here. It is a good land. I like my neighborhood. I like the grocery stores. What else do I like? Gas prices. They're better than California. You guys. I like you guys. The Lord is bringing us all into a good land. A land of brooks of water of fountains and springs flowing forth in valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive trees and honey, a land in which you will eat bread without scarcity, in which you will lack nothing, a land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills you could dig copper. And you shall eat and be full, and you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. The Jews were seeking a home. Some of you young people who are not yet at the point of moving from rental to purchase know that at some point, God permitting, you will move to that point of choice. And you're hoping, you ever watch those shows? The, what is it, it's Property Brothers or something like that? The, they, they go in and they show the couple, they always have a budget and, and the wife's being all, you know, knickers in a twist about what she wants in the kitchen. The guy wants a great yard. And they choose a house paying something like $600,000. And then fix it. 
because it's a fixer upper at 600,000. We're all, we'd like to be in that situation. We have shopping for a house. I mean, I can remember that in my years in junior high and high school, my parents moving and, and the thrill of getting to go see a house that they might buy and how you started to plan it out. You, started, you look forward to having your questions answered in this place. Running around and claiming that's my room. Answer one of the questions. Beat Doug to it. That's my room. Promised lands. Stones of iron. That doesn't even sound, you know, positive. Everything else is like pomegranates, stones of iron. What? Stones of iron and mines of copper. The hills are full of copper. This is the Iron Age. <laughs> you got to do stuff with iron. Great that the stones of iron and copper. You need copper to make bronze, you know, to make weapons and the like, and with tin. So they, he was he was covering all the bases. They were going to walk into this place. It was a turnkey operation. You'll eat and be full. Your needs, your questions, the things you have to get up in the morning and think about as a, as a husband, as a father, and say, how, how am I going to provide this for my family? It's provided. Not so much provided as full of provision. How's that? I mean, this is America. Even apartment dwelling is a state of wealth that King Solomon could not imagine. You can walk into a room with a porcelain basin and turn on hot water. Solomon could not do that. You have a box in the kitchen that keeps your food cold. You don't have slaves. There's a, there's a downside. He says in verse 11, Take heed, lest you forget the Lord your God. Take heed, lest you forget the Lord your God. When God has blessed you in the wilderness, fed you manna, led you out, gave you this land, your foot did not swell, that image I'm not quite sure about, your foot did not swell, leading you into the promised land, it's going to be great. It's going to be great. It's abundance. You know how, I don't know if any of you are socialists, don't really care, but, uh, so I don't mean to offend, but God is an abundant God. It's not bad for you to have more than you need. God is an abundant God. There are certain temptations to abundance, though. Certain temptations to you walking into a turnkey operation where all your questions are answered, the appliances work. You've got to take care lest you forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his ordinances and his statutes, which I command you this day. Lest, when you have eaten and are full, and have built goodly houses and live in them. Remember, he said, God gave you all this. 
God led you out of the land of Egypt into the wandering for 40 years, finally into the promised land, which he had set up so that you would take it and you wouldn't have to... All these vineyards are already there because the Canaanites that you're driving out before you have planted them. You didn't have to work for them. You eat and that are full and have built goodly houses and live in them. And when your herds and flocks multiply and your silver and gold is multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, then your heart be lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage, who led you through the great and terrible wilderness with its fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty ground where there was no water, who brought you water out of the flinty rock, who fed you in the wilderness with manna, which your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and test you to do you good in the end. Now, if the answer, if the basic, you know, again, you don't have to accept this, but I'm just giving you this thing that that um, home is your answer, your questions being answered. A place where your questions are answered. And we have the basic questions of life being answered in our physical homes and the Jews and this physical land. God is asking that he not be dropped from the narrative. Do not forget the Lord your God. Do not forget whence you came. Do not forget the abundance is of him. Because verse 17 says, Beware lest you say in your heart, My power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth. If you happen to live in a good land, like the United States of America, it's a good land, and you think it's capitalism, you think it's the government, if you're a socialist, that gets you, gets you wealthy. Whatever the, your source of things, you look at the stuff in your life, and you're not... And it's not that the writer of, of Deuteronomy was not realizing that wheat came out of the ground, and, and, and vineyards grew off of, uh, out of the ground as well, or that contractors built houses. They know the actual interchange down here on the ground, but these are... This is a place, a basic human desire to have the needs of life met, and this is a great blessing. And what we're th thinking about it this morning is because in that great blessing is an image. And you're, you're, you're needing to keep God in the image, the story you're drawing. Because in this life, you know, frankly, all the questions can't be answered. I just came back from California, having stood by the casket of my mother-in-law, being put in the ground. Guess what? Thus it shall be for all of us. Each one, everybody here, add 50 years to this, we're dead. Okay, maybe, okay, add 60 years. Some of you are young. You're dead. And somebody will be standing around some grassy area in some town looking at a box with your remains in it. All the questions aren't answered. If you own a home, we get home from California. It's like, ah, the promised rest. Back into my home, my bed, my toilet. Everything that's mine. 
And Leslie comes up the next day and says, the basement bathroom stinks. Not in the normal way, like sewer way. Oh man, futility, instantly, waiting to attack you, tear you apart, kill you. And frankly, no matter how well you can work on bathrooms, it will kill you in the end. Everything you try to answer, you can't answer everything. Doesn't matter what kind of goodly houses you built, they'll leak. So, what are we doing? These are all gifts, images, the desires God has given us for home. What are their images of? They're images of heaven. The place where all is answered. And this narrative of heaven must have a God. And he does not want to be forgotten even in the narrative of the earthly home. How you build it. He gave you the power to get wealth. He kept you alive. He disciplined you. He humbled you. He gave you that distinction. You remember what it was like to not have anything. Remember that first time you got a job and someone paid you a paycheck? Suddenly the, the world opened. You went from not having to having. Then you got to have more. And then some girl, for some reason, liked you. And you married her. Things just keep getting better. The power to get wealth that he may confirm his covenant, which he swore to your fathers as at this day. And if you forget the Lord your God, and go after other gods and serve them and worship them, I solemnly warn you this day that you shall surely perish like the nations that the Lord makes to perish before you, so shall you perish, because you would not obey the voice of the Lord your God. So the nature of this home that you step into, it can be God-provided. It can be the answers that God gives your physical life. It can be a point place of true rejoicing. If you do not handle that story well, if you give credit to other gods, I have done this on my own. That's you being, you know, American... <laughs> can-do spirit. We seem to admire it. God is blessing you. If you want to shake your fist at heaven and say, no, not you, but me, you might not be worshipping Baal or Apollo or Chemosh or some vile deity. You might be just worshipping yourself like the character in this. My, my power and the might of my hand. You, you might think that you've got it all together. Remember, this is all going to kill you. This answer is a dark one. He does not, you do not, I'm, as you know, I'm not a believer in human rights. I don't believe anybody has any rights. You have the inevitability of a life that will pay out to you as you put into it. You will be... Uh, you say, oh, it's not turning out for me. I don't like it. it's turning out for you, and it's not turning out for me. You owe me a life turning out for me. Well, sure, I'm sure you'd like it to be pleasant. Why don't you straighten up and fly right? Because God says that if you don't serve him in this narrative of home, if you do not worship him and recognize him and honor him and thank him in this narrative of home that he has given you, he will destroy you. 
look, the way it's going to look in your life, that destruction, things not turning out. And you say, well, doesn't, aren't faithful believers ever in a situation where things don't turn out? Sure. But bad things happen to a faithful Christian, it is not read by them as not turning out. Count it all joy, my brethren, when you face various trials. Count it all joy. Because in the narrative with the Christian, all our God is in the story. When Christ faces the cross, he says, is there any way this cup can pass for me? But not my will, but thine be done. That's what Christians say. But we've included our God in the narrative. If you have decided to serve other gods in your narrative of home, bad things will happen and you won't know how to deal with them. More questions, you might say, will be asked. That wonderful comfort of being at home where you know, I just have to ask Leslie, what's, what's in the freezer? She has a catalog in her head of what's in the freezer. That's a good feeling. People who move into our house, and they do, standing there with a Pyrex bowl going, where does this go? First few weeks there. And they have to find out. They have to answer all the questions of a kitchen they're unfamiliar with. Where do things go when they're cleaning up? Now the things I want you to say, well, what, what is, is there a point, Evan? Yeah, there's a point. We all seek a home. Everybody has this desire for the peace of a home that they answer the questions. And there are a couple things that you need to watch out for in seeking the home. One is that if you seek the home wanting to structure it according, in the service to your other God, there will be disorder in every vile practice. Just like, in your, just like in your physical home. It will reflect in you being, you know, swinish. No order. Nothing where it's supposed to be. No questions answered. Because you decided to serve something that doesn't have answers. It's a, that's a home that is unlike heaven. And some people live that way. You know, I wouldn't assume any of you want to live that way, but some people do. They live in a way that in no way describes a heaven to them. It says that in the uh, Joshua passage here on the side. This is Joshua on the other end of this circumstance. Um, they had taken the land. And this is, right, this is the last chapter of the book of Joshua, Joshua 24. I gave you a land on which you had not labored, and cities which you had not built, and you dwell therein. You eat the fruit of vineyards and olive yards, which you did not plant. Now therefore fear the Lord, and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods which your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt, and serve the Lord. And if you be, if you be unwilling to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve whether the gods your fathers served in the region beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You know that passage. You maybe saw it on a little plaque in your grandma's house, hung up in the kitchen or on the fridge. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. But he's coming out of this thought that Moses had at the, at the other side before they went into the land. 
This is what's going to happen. Homes are going to be given to you. Answers to your needs. Now what are you going to do? Which God are you going to serve? Decide. Is it going to be, as I tell people in our marriage seminars or our child rearing seminars, you've got to decide whether the default of your home is going to be the holiness of God. Are you, is that the default position? There is going to be holiness in this household. This is the God we serve. If you haven't decided that, good luck with this. You will perish from the earth. Things will go bad for you. But sometimes, wise people get the good things. These people, the Jews, got the good thing. They didn't walk into something and it turned out to be a junkyard. It turned out to be great. Multiplied everything. Everything in abundance. And this is the fear people have of abundance, is that you become this luxuriating um, lying on your chaise lounge with your what do you drink on a chaise lounge? Anybody have a chaise lounge? Um, it's lying in the sun with the sunglasses on and a book you bought at a bookstore drinking something with an umbrella in it. I don't know. Some people like that kind of life. The good life. Where the questions are answered, the bills are paid, the food's in the fridge. Luke eight fourteen. And as for what fell among the thorns, there are those who they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares, and riches, and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. Good things. Good things happening have their own temptation. You could walk into life doing the bad thing, doing the wrong thing, dedicating your efforts to make a home to other gods, the god of yourself, the god, and it's going to start to reflect in the chaos of your home, the disorder and vile practice. Or you could start collecting all the good that's, in the, that's at the hand of God, taking these blessings in and finding the very blessings of God, like the Jews felt, it looks too much like heaven, so it becomes your heaven. You'll start to feel that tug right about my age. When you finally reach the point where most, a lot of the yard work's done, okay, like completed projects, you get to the point where a lot of the improvements are finished and you get to live in them. And it suddenly becomes, you become aware, oh no, I'm at an age not where I'm gonna live in them, I'm dying in them. And you start to get, you start to stamp your little foot and start to get a little annoyed that this is how it works. That just when you got everything all cleaned up, you die. Think Solomon. The problem is, we make a little heaven. God gives us a little heaven. He gave you your wife. He gave you your kids. He gave you your home. He gave you the refrigerator. He gave you the power to get wealth. You got it. And then you went and said, I'm camping out here. This is, a, I hope that you'll start to say, once I define what home, home is being to me, I begin to see that if these are the answers that satisfy me, I'm a pretty shallow person. If having a sprinkler system in my yard is what makes me happy, 
really? You need help. There's not a... uh, Nothing wrong with a sprinkler system. I'd like to have one. Leslie would really like to have one because she's the one that moves the sprinklers. We have to stop and say, is it just an image of heaven? It's a, great, it's a gift of God. It's an image that you've been given. Now, what are you going to do? Accept those answers, but realize those answers are not the eternal answers. This is why... I have the Hebrews passage here at the bottom. Hebrews 4.4 For he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way, which is a great life verse. If anybody is into making you remember the references for things, well, don't you know the reference? Well, the writers of Scripture say, as it says somewhere in the Scriptures, he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way. And God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again, in this place, he said, they shall never enter my rest. Since, therefore, it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience, again he sets a certain day, today, saying through David so long afterward, in the words already quoted, today when you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua, we had just read that portion in Joshua 24, if Joshua had given them rest, God would not speak later of another day. The home you live in, with the sprinkler system, the fridge, and knowing what's in the freezer, knowing where the bathrooms are that don't smell of the sewer, knowing you fixed that electrical system, knowing that this kitchen remodel is going to last your wife till she's dead. Whatever you have been given, that rest is not enough. That's what the answers are for, right? If you see Anne's picture on the, 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 of her library, it's the couches. It's the comfy seats. It's the dark lighting. It's the books and the shelves. It's the, um, the, what was it, a throw over one of the, you had a throw over one of the chairs, an afghan or something like that. They're comfortable. I have people who won't come, stop coming over to my house because I have comfy seats in my library. Even if, they're, if they think I'm a heretic, they come over to my house. We like these comforts, and God has given us this comfort. Now, if the rest was answered there, the rest was not enough in the promised land. The perfect, irrigated homes, multiplying gold, all the copper you want. God would not speak of a later day. Does your narrative of seeking answers and finding a home have a God in whom more answers exist. So then, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. We still look forward. First off, it's it's not just your physical home. This passage earlier in it gives strong, this is the gospel. Those who believe have entered into his rest. We have included in this narrative all that must happen in your soul. Because the greatest comfy room you could create, it could be out of Architectural Digest, it could look great, well photographed. 
if you didn't recognize there was a rest remaining, if Joshua could provide you with the rest, if your husband could provide you with the rest, if you think that when you finally have enough money to buy a sub-zero, are those nice? Sub-zero refrigerator? Freezer. Because that would be sub-zero. Finally get enough. And your wife looks longingly at the husband and says, I'd be happy if you'd buy me. What are we working on now? Sprinkler system. The sprinkler system. That's what she wants. We should be feeling the longing for the rest of the answers. The rest of the true answers. The ones that really mess with you. Not just whether or not your feet swell. Not whether your butt could be happy in that chair. Not whether or not you can evacuate your bodily waste in a comfortable tiled room. But whether your immortal soul has found answers. Because then you'll feel at home in this life. And you'll also know that all the questions that the futility sin has brought into the, brought into the world that is going to cause you to die in the end. We are dead because of the futility of sin. We are all looking as believers to the rest of God and the promise of the next life. Verse 11, Let us therefore strive to enter that rest, that no one fall by the same sort of disobedience. Either not, by not going toward the rest, the people who died in the wilderness, or the people who took the abundance of God vainly. Strive to enter the rest. Be looking for a home. You know what the feeling is. You've all come home before. Think about whether or not is it, is it because the answers you have worked out in that place. Does your narrative of home, promised land, include all of the answers needed, all of the questions that have to be asked? He then says, strive to enter that rest, don't fall by disobedience. And then he says, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Another popular verse you've seen before. That's the context it's in. Are you looking for the rest of God? Are you looking for the answers that you need to receive? The Word of God does that. He says in 2 Timothy, all scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, reproof, training, and righteousness. As a man of God may be complete, you need answers, seek the answers. You'll love it because you'll be going home. To the degree you get answers in life, you will be going home and you will feel at home in Christ. You will feel at home then trickling out into your physical life where you already arranged the couch. When we put the couch in a different place in the living room, everybody goes, oh, we really like that. Why? Because it answered things better. Everybody likes that feng shui thing. <coughs> Here at All Souls, it's answering things better. It says in Proverbs 14, 
there at the bottom of the left-hand page, left-hand column, the house of the wicked will be destroyed, but the tent of the upright will flourish. Just as a warning, don't let your own ideas and designs think you can design the answers for a home. Don't serve other gods. Make sure God is in the narrative. And make sure that you realize the big answers are not answered by a patio. The big answers are not answered by a snowblower. I realized this, I got a snowblower a few years ago and it was a great answer, but it did not answer. It still snowed, I don't understand it. Righteousness, that is what makes your tent flourish. Let's thank God. Dear Lord, we're very thankful for the homes you have given us. We mean the physical homes, Lord, the places where we can go and answer the questions that life demands of us and the, satisfy the needs and the, receive the good gifts you have given. And thank you for those good gifts. Lord, help us realize that in the conquest of the promised land and our buying of a home or renting of a home or organizing a kitchen, that the real rest, the real answers, the real home is not there. Help us understand the metaphor we live in and understand the encouragement is to think on into the afterlife. The blessed hope. And for all of this, we're grateful in your son's name. Amen.